Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. I'd sing to you, but I'm not a great singer. <laughs> hey guys, hope everybody's doing well. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder of the Post Institute, coming at you live this evening, this beautiful Tuesday. Hope everybody's doing well. I'm just going to chat a little bit and see who shows up. Um, so my topic tonight, state becomes trait. Um, let me pull out my trusted little do 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 If you don't know, now you know this is literally one of the best books and simplest reads when it comes to parenting and especially, hey, Paul, wow, my friend Paul from um, Colorado is lining up. That is awesome. And by the way, Paul, I haven't thanked you again. Um, he did a little voiceover for me uh, several years back. I created this really fun Father's Day video that uh, my friend Paul joined in on. So that's cool. Hi, Christy. So I know you guys aren't saying hi, but actually uh, Facebook gives me a few people, a few names of a few people who are watching. So thanks for uh, chiming in, guys, and for joining me today. So um, I want to give a quick plug for this book, From Fear to Love, written by the one and only Brian Post, Big Papa. And... Um, I'm telling you, this book is literally one of the best books with regards to parenting, and especially if you are parenting children who come from tough places. And uh, we have it on promotion, $7.95, which covers the cost of the printing, the envelope, a little card we put in it. <laughs> you know, we just, uh, we're just doing what we can to get it out there to folks. So um, from feartolovebook.com is where you can pick that up. So in this book, um, as Brian talks about um, the impact of trauma, there is a brief mention of this phrase, state becomes trait. And he's quoting Dr. Bruce Perry, who is one of the most respected um, doctors, researchers in the field of childhood trauma and understanding how trauma affects the mind-body system. And I wanted to talk about that just a little bit. Um, I know most of us are parenting, uh, well, I don't want to say most of us, the, the people who follow our Facebook page um, are vast, and the ages of the people you are involved with is also vast. So the term, the phrase, state becomes trait. What that is referring to is prolonged emotional states. I mean, sorry, yeah, prolonged emotional states develop into personality traits. So let me say that again. Prolonged emotional states become personality traits. Over time, that can then end up being diagnosed as a personality disorder. Personality disorders by in the world of mental health it's been a long time since I've worked in the field of needing to diagnose people, but um, personality disorders back when I was practicing did not, or you weren't allowed, allowed to um, diagnose a personality disorder until um, after the age of 18. And I'm just going to pause for a minute as I think about that personality disorder, the word disorder. Just think about it when things are out of order, you know? Um, that doesn't mean that things can't be brought back into order. Um, the, the predominant, the dominant story says these things are permanent and fixed, but I 
I think otherwise. I do not think it's true. But I do think that under certain levels of stress, whatever those states and traits are can then come back to the surface. And so especially when there are stressors that um, resemble childhood traumas, then those prolonged states are triggering into a into a trait of personality. So what I really wanted to talk with about that, I just want to go ahead and jump in, is I've been thinking about the personality disordered. The disordered personality that is identified as borderline personality because oftentimes people who come from a background of trauma, when they get involved with the world of mental health, and then the diagnosis is assigned, oftentimes borderline personality is something that is then assigned to that person as a diagnosis, as is um, oftentimes bipolar, which is a mood disorder. So there are disorders of the personality and disorders of the mood. So I found myself wanting to do some reading. So I actually have my computer screen pulled up right behind my phone. So I'm gonna read from, this is from the Mayo Clinic website. Borderline personality disorder is a mental health disorder that impacts the way you think and feel about yourself and others, causing problems functioning in everyday life. It includes self-image issues, difficulty managing emotions and behavior, and a pattern of unstable relationships. With borderline personality disorder, you have an intense fear of abandonment or instability, and you may have difficulty tolerating being alone. Yet, inappropriate anger, impulsiveness, and frequent mood swings may push others away, even though you want to have loving and lasting relationships. Wow. So, when we think about um, how important the pre-birth and early life experience is to brain development, and then we read what the information says about borderline personality disorder and some of the things that hinge, the hinging information. You can quickly, quickly see how one could become the other. Uh, the good news is, the good news is, once again, oxytocin. Um, oxytocin can help shift this because the intense fear of abandonment and instability those are all triggering factors. And oxytocin can help to mediate those high levels of cortisol. If you are in a relationship with someone who demonstrates these sorts of behaviors uh, as an adult, if you are a person who has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, I encourage you to read about it. Don't just accept the diagnosis as a permanent situation, as a permanent way of being, because to be honest with you, if you read the different diagnosis in the, what's the current one, DSM-5, I think, 5R, I think is what we're on now. Um, I haven't practiced since we were in DSM-4 where I had to diagnose, so I may be off a little bit about that number. But I encourage you to go in there and read. And what you're going to find is, is you're going to see a list of symptoms, right? And so many of our kids, they come, when, when we're working with families, uh, oftentimes there are several diagnoses that people have been labeled with through their life. 
What's interesting about that is um, it just, it lets you know that this is not, it's not an exact science, right? Wouldn't it be just great if it was just an exact science and you could diagnose somebody and then you could just give them a medication that would make it all just be balanced and that they would be able to cope with the stressors in the world and just move on and do all of whatever it is that their hearts are desiring in terms of accomplishing their dreams and goals. But that is just not how the world of mental health works. Um, hey Mimi, and hey, I see lots of other people who've said hi. I wanna say hi back to you really quick. Hi Nikki, hi Julie, hi Mimi. Um, Julie says yes, um, several diagnoses for her daughter. And I love what Brian says when he talks about the world of diagnosis because really kind of what that means is uh, we're not sure. <laughs> you know, we're not sure and behaviors, all it is is it's a list of behaviors based on either what someone else is telling them or what they've observed. And so it's not an objective process. It's very subjective to both the reporter and then also the person taking the information. So they take this information and they get in the manual and they look through it and they say, oh, well, these behaviors fit this diagnosis the best. And we know that that can change. The other thing that's really important to understand is depending on the level of stress and what your history is, any number of us at any given time could be diagnosed with something from the, the diagnostic manual of mental health conditions. Um, when I think about different times in my life when I was experiencing super high levels of stress and grief, um, I definitely know that I was having some attachment challenges. I definitely know that I was experiencing depression. At times I was experiencing some disassociation where I wasn't really physically present in my body. I was here, but everything else in me was someplace else. And so as you guys think about diagnosis and you think about your child's history or you think about your own history, go gentle first and foremost. Be very gentle with yourself. And I wanna give you a different understanding and I wanna change your paradigm about any of this being permanent and fixed. It's all on a continuum. So uh, self-diagnose, self-diagnosis, exhausted mom. <laughs> yes, Julie, I get that. Julie said my self-diagnosis is exhaustion. Yeah, when you, that just takes me back to what we were talking about yesterday. Um, <clears throat> this idea this love-based parenting model is extremely effective. But sometimes what is ineffective is the expectation that we have in terms of outcomes. We get married to an outcome as opposed to just following, falling in love with the process and trusting and believing that love really is the best thing that we have to offer. Sometimes we get confused about what is the most loving thing I can do in this moment for my child. How do I direct? How do I guide? How do I get in relationship? How do I have influence? And that's what Brian is always teaching us in every daily dose. He's speaking to us about how to stay in relationship with our children. And so I started off talking about all these diagnoses and I want to come back to the importance and the power of love. You know, when I read through 
and, and I, the, the reason I picked borderline personality disorder is I happen to be in the middle of um, some relationships with people that I love dearly and their early life emotional state experiences are flaring up because they're trying to have these close intimate relationships and it is triggering their fear, their intense fear of abandonment and instability because they have a root of that in their mind-body system because of their pre-birth and early life trauma. So, a great big breath to know that, hang in there, love really is healing. What I have found to be effective in these situations right now is regular contact, regular loving contact. Um, it's easy for me, uh, if I'm not watchful, I can get really anxious and start thinking I have to fix everything, but I don't. I don't have to fix everything and I don't have to be worried about the future of this person. I just need to love them where they're at right this minute. So when, when I think about being super exhausted, sometimes that exhaustion comes, one, if you have lots of kids or several kids in your home and there's lots of needs, or when we're just trying to do too much. You know, sometimes we're just trying to do too much. And it may be that we're trying to do too much in you know, running our home or taking care of our profession, taking care of our spouses, our marriages, or you know, all the different things that are on our plate. And I did, actually, I did um, a Facebook Live about four days ago. So you can go back four or five days and you'll see my face and you'll find me doing a video about care, about getting care, meaning bringing caregivers into your home or finding ways to divvy up some of the things on your plate because you're just trying to juggle too much. So sometimes it's that, that you just literally have too many things you're trying to do. And then sometimes it's you have this expectation that you're trying to attain and you're somehow trying to get your child there as opposed to just meeting them right where they're at and trusting that by simply loving and being in relationship, the best version of them is going to be what unfolds and develops. Not the best version of what you think they should be or what the world says they should be, but simply the best version of who they are. And that is what love promises. Love promises a place where your best version can grow and flourish. So I just, I want to encourage you guys to maybe, you know, um, take some time to, to sit back and give thought to what's the source of feeling so exhausted. Is it that I'm literally just have too many things I'm trying to do? Or is it that I have, that I'm giving love, but my love has these hidden strings. And when the outcome doesn't go the way you are expecting it to, or the way you're wanting it to, then you feel defeated. As opposed to just falling into love with the process of falling in love with your children. And the thing is, is when you're talking about adoption and foster care, um, 
trying to pick my words very carefully, that we have to be really honest about the, there's a difference in just the, um, the synchronicity. So when kids come from your, from your womb, they have experienced you for nine months. They come from you and another person's genetics. So there's that piece. Then there's nine months. And when I say nine months, I always want to do this. Because, and I want you to do this too. You know, imagine nine months, nine months, and that's all that you have. All the nutrition, all the sounds, all the smells, all the hormones are flowing straight to the baby. And it sounds, you know, it's like, it, it's biology, right? We know this biology, we know it so well that sometimes we don't really think about what a big deal it is. It's a really big deal. And it helps, that biology means that when the baby is born, and Dr. Mark Siaskas puts it in a very simple phrase, the baby is being wired in the womb, created in the womb for the world it will be born to, meaning the mother's, the mother's world. That is a biological reality. When we give birth to our children, there is an automatic, there is already a synchronicity that is in place a familiarity, a knowing of one another that is beyond something that we can really explain with words. And when you are in the world of adoption and foster care, that synchronicity isn't there. So it takes time. It takes time and it takes, it takes putting down all of these expectations and really getting into one another's rhythm. And it's, I think about, you think about um, a child is born and you get this time together to bond and, and love one another before the defenses are up. And you bring a child into your home through fostering or adopting. And so you're trying to love but you're, you're, one, you don't have the benefit of the synchronicity to help you along. And you also have barriers and walls that you're trying to climb through and over. And you have this sensitive amygdala with all these sensitivities that you're trying to learn how to crack the code on loving this person in a way that they feel loved. And so it's complex. And so, um, be gentle with yourself. <laughs> Julie, be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with your babies. We're all doing the best that we can. You know, we're just humans trying to love other humans, trying to love them through hard places, trying to love them through the fact that there'll be things that, that cause massive flare-ups in those, those imprinted wounds and traumas. And it takes time, and it takes time. And in, in the beginning of the book, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and read this because I got to see Mimi today, and I got to hear about how she's doing, and I got to hear about how Elijah's doing. I got to see Brian. They got to spend time with Marley. And uh, it just wants to, it, it brings months, it leads me to wanna come back to this. I'm just gonna read it. This is straight from uh, Brian's mother. 
As I sit reflecting on my journey as a happy, anxious prospect of finally becoming a mother to a child that I wanted so much, I now wonder if only I had known then what I know now, what a difference in parenting style I would have had. I was unaware of the upcoming emotional roller coaster of being an adoptive mother. I remember how wonderful it was to hold my baby for the first time. My heart was bursting with pride. My beloved late husband, Bill, and I named our son, Brian. A year later, we adopted our daughter, Christy. Although we are all now emotionally connected, the journey was filled with stress and emotional pain. And it was, it was stressful. Lots of emotional pain, lots of confusion, lots of attempts to control because lots of behavior was really scary. We hadn't a clue about parenting children with significant emotional needs. You know, if you, if you get the chance to ever listen to Brian, just talk about his childhood experiences and some of the behavior challenges, you'll learn really quick that everything we teach and everything he shares comes straight out of many of his own experiences. We hadn't a clue about parenting children with significant emotional needs. Many years later, many great challenges and sleepless nights. I can look back and forgive myself for the things my husband and I did not know. We did our best. And I'm sure you have as well. For all the painful memories, there are many great ones filled with laughter, pride, and thankfulness. I love my children dearly and always have. I am so proud of my son through all the hell he raised. And you know, we say that sometimes. Oh, I was such a hell raiser. Sometimes when you think about, sometimes we have to think about that too. We have to look back and go, wait a minute. You know, I, it's not like I was the easiest child, always making the absolute best decisions. There were lots of risk-taking things that I did. There were lots of times that my parents had to stick by my side. There were times they had to bail me out because I made immature, impulsive decisions. We have to look back at that and remember you know, love says we stick it out. This isn't, this isn't, you know, parenting. It's for the lifetime, you know. We're in it together. And I'm so proud of my son. Through all the hell he raised as a child, he has grown up into an angel. I take comfort in knowing that we intuitively did many things right. One thing has told me before that I want to offer you is to never give up on your child. No matter what might happen and what you might go through, as long gives, as God gives us air to breathe, there's hope. As long as God gives us air to breathe, there's hope. So let me just tell you honestly, the breakthroughs are not likely gonna come in the teens and they're not likely gonna come in the 20s. Those are some of the hardest life transitions into autonomy and so many times our teenagers and our 20-somethings they are out there trying to do the adult thing, and they're like, I mean, I call it toddlerhood revisited. They're like toddling around on their little adult legs trying to figure out how to be adults, how to be in relationships, how to be responsible, how to deal with employment, all with these imprints that have a lot of chaos and insecurity included in them. So, they get out there in the world, and oftentimes... The chaos and insecurity blueprints will be something that they are very, that they're attracted to. So they'll feel, they'll be very disjointed for a little bit where it's like one minute 
they're they're living in this super chaotic lifestyle and then the next minute they're kind of doing things that resemble the home that they came to through adoption and fostering because those are their blueprints those are their experiences and it's going to take time and guidance and patience and so you know we're all you know you may be sitting on the edge of your seat saying yay you know they're 20 they're going to be out there they're going to be on their own and i'm not going to need to be doing all this all the mm -mm, no you just need to hold on it changes in the 20s and the way you guide and support changes in the 20s but there's still lots of guidance and support that's needed you know it's not even until the mid to late 20s for all of us for brain development to make major shifts there's massive pruning going on during the 20s higher level functioning and top-down thinking doesn't come in line until the mid-20s for anyone so you can imagine for people who've gone through trauma that's going to be delayed until the 30s so you know just to let you guys know there's hope there's hope there's absolute hope take these words filled with wisdom understanding passion and insight that my son has provided you and go claim your child's heart and as i said earlier if only I had known then what I know now, my son might not have been able to offer this book. So I hold no regrets, only hope for you and your child. You never know. You never know how it's gonna turn out. You never know what testimony love is going to give to your family. You never know how the trials and tribulations that a person goes through then informs them into their greatness. Right here, Julie. This book right here, From Fear to Love. Excellent book. I strongly encourage you get it. When you purchase it with our promo, um, and I'll put it in the description, the, the link you'll go to is called is feartolovebook.com. Feartolovebook.com. Um, when you buy, if you buy just the book, I mean, there's obviously upsells because, you know, if you're going to buy the knives, don't you want the skillet too? <laughs> right? Remember? Uh, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. So yes, there's some awesome, awesome um, upgrades that you can make when you purchase. But if you just buy the book, not only do you get the book shipped to you, but you get an ebook right then and you also get an audio version. And it's Brian reading the book and it takes literally about an hour one of the things that I love about everything we've always put out is the, not just the response that we get from parents, but when, when kids hear you listening to us, when your uh, adopted child hears what Brian is explaining, I can't tell you how many times they've said, wow, that's right. That's exactly how I feel inside. It's so affirming and it can help your family get on the same page. I've read so many books, been through so many trainings. Yes, Julie, I definitely, I definitely understand. Um, this book is a really short read and, oh gosh, I should have told you this at the beginning. We have a book study, and so we do book studies. We have one that we're currently promoting, so I will create a link that I can put on the Facebook page that people can sign up and register. It's a six-week course that you'll go through. Um, this There's two sessions. One will be on Saturdays. I'm sorry, Sunday evenings at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, and the other is 
Wednesdays at 10 a.m. And that's Central Standard Time as well. We do it through Zoom. Uh, we limit each session to like 10 people so that we can really focus and grow together and ask questions. It's a place you can come, ask your most dif difficult questions, get immediate support, and be connected with like-minded parents that hopefully you'll reach out and create friend groups with. And so that may be a way to get some additional um, practical. It's very practical and very real. And so it's Kelly Belt who's going to be doing this round of studies. Um, Kelly's an adoptive mom. She's gone through master training courses with Brian. Um, and Brian and I are always a phone call or text away if she comes across anything that she feels like is you know, out of her, out of her range of knowledge and expertise and experience. So that would be a great way to um, get connected. We also have um, our Levolution program, which is a learning platform that has like over 50 hours of education, podcasts. See, the thing is, is if this model resonates with you, repetition is key, just like for our kids, right? The repetition of positive environment and positive relationship over time, over time, over time, over time, helps create new blueprints. And so most of us have the blueprints of consequences and rewards. And oftentimes, if we're working with therapists who, I mean, I hate to say this, and, and I'm, I've been guilty because I've not always been a mom and I've not always been an adoptive mom. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh to anyone, but if you have not lived this, if you've not lived adoption if you or fostering, if you've not literally lived with people who have experienced pre-birth and early life trauma, then it's really hard for a therapist or a coach to really understand what these behaviors look like and feel like on a day in and day out basis. And oftentimes you'll get advice for consequences and rewards. And when they don't work, oftentimes parents get blamed. Well, you must not be doing it consistent enough because if you were being consistent enough in giving stickers and stars and the promised rewards and the promised consequences, these behaviors would go away. And it's just not true when it comes to trauma. That may be true for a whole lot of other people. That may be true for 90% of the population, but for children who come from traumatic backgrounds, that is not gonna be your best process for parenting and creating relationships and helping to reduce the challenging behaviors. Our kids are doing the best that they can considering what their mind-body system has gone through. One of the first uh, books that brought, God, I'm just chatting with you guys. <laughs> I should have brought some coffee. One of the first books that Brian wrote, I wrote the, uh, I wrote a, a testimonial on the back of it. And it's basically, it said just that. If this parenting thing was all about just giving stickers and stars, we'd have had this done a long time ago, but it's not. It's a whole lot more. We're actually working at the brain level to help heal with love helping build that oxytocin, the love hormone, so that it can more effectively modulate 
that hyperactive amygdala. And so you're going to learn so many great things from this book. And then if you go through the book study, it'll be a great way to have people help walk it out with you because that's what we need. We need people who walk it out with us because, you know, just like I was reading about borderline personality disorder, you know, the trauma that happened pre-birth and early life has changed the development of the brain. And so we have to work with these kids, with these people, with these fellow human beings in a different way. And love really is healing. And yes, Julie, connection is key. And yes, just what Mimi says, as long as there is air to breathe, there is hope. So thanks for chatting it up with me today. I really appreciate you guys. I think Brian's going to be back tomorrow, but I'll check in with him and double check and I'll be sure and get that link. It may be um, tomorrow because I'll probably have to make some changes on our website so I can get you guys a link to register and have that option to sign up for this round of book studies. So thanks again. Much love to you guys. Um, enjoy your family this evening. Make time to put aside all the tasks. The dishes will get done eventually. Shoot, maybe we just need to have pl paper plates so we don't have to fuss about all that so much so we can simplify our life for a little bit. I don't know. Make time to play together. Make time to enjoy one another. If there's smell enough to keep belly blowing, then belly blow and wrestle and giggle and love on those babies. Enjoy them in whatever way that you can. And when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, Set aside all those worries and pick at least one thing, one moment of joy, one moment of laughter that you shared and take that and blow that up in your mind. You know, we are so quick to pick apart when something didn't go right. Let's give that same focus to the things that are going well and build on that. Much love to you guys. Have a lovely night and we'll see y'all tomorrow. Take care.